There is a word from the Lord as we continue this series that God has given us. <clears throat> the series is entitled A Dialogue with God. Five messages in the first part of the series. Five messages in which we ask God five different questions. Amen. Who are you? Where were you? What's up with that? And this is the fourth question in this fourth message in the first part of this series, A Dialogue with God. The book of Hosea is where the text is found this morning. <clears throat> the third chapter and the first verse of the book of Hosea from the New Living Translation. Amen. Hear the reading of God's word. Chapter 3 and verse 1. And it reads, Then the Lord said to me, Hosea writes this, Go and love your wife again. Listen to this. Even though she, mits, she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. And the church said, Amen. A dialogue with God. Question number four. Sermon number four. Lift those hands. As we all lift those hands to God, here is the question we have for God this week. Now, I, as you keep those hands lifted up, be reminded that at the beginning of this series, we said this is a total transparent series. Amen. All of us have been there, found ourselves asking questions like this. So as we lift those hands, somebody help me say, God... Why would you love someone like me? That's what we want to talk about this morning. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God, why would you love someone like me? One of the questions that is often asked by those who at times in their lives feel vulnerable, those who feel as if their life has become a mess. And it is usually as a result of their own mistakes, people who have made mistakes and they are paying for it. I want to talk to you this morning. People whose life has become a wreck, a mess, find themselves stuck in the valley. When they look back over their lives, they cannot blame anyone but themselves. They will tell you honestly, I've made so many mistakes. I have contributed to what is going on in my life. 
I'm talking about folk that are not trying to put the blame on anyone else, but just willing to confess that, Lord, it is me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Truth of the matter is none of us in here are perfect. And all of us in here have made mistakes in our life. Some of us are so grateful that some of our mistakes are still not visible and known by others. If your life was on blast, if everybody knew how jacked up, messed up, crazy your life really was, can I preach? I've learned that everybody who's dressed up doesn't mean that they've got things going on the way they desire. There are a whole lot of dressed up, messed up folk. Am I right about it? And so we at times find ourselves, if we are honest with ourselves, lifting our hands and going, God, can you really love someone like me? For Satan, our adversary, is very good at convincing those who are the most vulnerable that there is no way the Lord could love someone like them. That is the devil's job. For he is constantly in our ears, in our minds, reminding us of all of our shortcomings and failures. One of the things that has always surprised me, and now I've come uh, to realize it, is that when I talk to people, particularly young adults and young people, about perhaps why they don't come to church and worship God, some of them says, if you really knew how bad off my life was, you would understand. And so what I've come to realize is that Satan has somewhat succeeded with his assignment to depress people and to convince them that their life is beyond the reach of God's love. But... <laughs> we ought to be reminded also of what Jesus said about Satan in St. John chapter 8 and verse 44. When Jesus referred to Satan not only as a liar, but he said that he is the father of lies. Uh, look at somebody and say the devil is a liar. People often wonder, why y'all say that all the time? Is that just one of those church things? No, it's one of those things we want to keep in the atmosphere because the enemy doesn't want you to know that you do know who he is. And he is a liar. Listen, let me tell you something. Love is not a reward. It has never been a reward. And that's where the enemy comes. He, he convinces people that you have to earn love. Love is what you get if you're good. Love is what you get if you treat people right and if things go right in your life. And when things do not, then the enemy convinces you that you don't deserve to be loved. But he is a liar. Love is not a reward. 
It is a gift. There is a difference between a reward and a gift. A gift is not something you earn. It is not something you have deserved because you've done good. A gift is what God gives you. In fact, uh, the iconic verse in the Bible is John 3.16. And in that verse, Jesus says, For God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, a couple words stand out in that verse. One is that he loved the world. It did not say he loved the church. He loved Christian people. He loved people who are believers. That God doesn't love Muslims. God doesn't love Hindus. No, he loves the world. God loves everybody. It doesn't say he doesn't love crackheads, doesn't love prostitutes. It doesn't say that God doesn't love people who are incarcerated. The devil is a lie. God loves the world. God loves everybody. And we have to stop allowing the enemy to influence people that are in our lives so that they somehow think that they don't deserve the attention of God. For God so loved the world, and here's the next operative word in that verse, that he gave. That he gave his only begotten. And then the word that stands out again is that whosoever, any one of us, Anyone, brown, yellow, red, white, black, it doesn't matter. Any one of us, God loves the world. We've got to understand that perhaps one of the reasons why there's so much tragedy in the world today, we, we are mindful of just what happened uh, yesterday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when a deranged man walked into a Jewish synagogue and thought it was his duty to take the lives of innocent people because somebody did not agree with his religion or his school of thought or his politics. That is the world that we are living in. We are living in such a world that if we allow the little things to manifest, and yes, I'll say to our president and everybody else, we got to set the example. To much is given, much is required of. You can't talk about beating up people and wonder why folks shoot up people. There is a wonderful verse in the book of Hosea, the same chapter, chapter 8, verse 7, that says, And they sowed to the wind, and they harvest the whirlwind. In other words, I told a friend of mine yesterday who's Jewish, I said, here is what's happening to the world today. We sow to the wind, and we wonder why we're reaping the whirlwind. The reason why there's so much tragedy and so many devastating things are happening is because we allow the little things to manifest and we allow the enemy to get in people's ear and tell them you're greater than somebody else because they don't believe like you are or they, God doesn't love them or they are less than you are. That is not how the Lord operates. 
I've got news for every naysayer, for everybody who sits in judgment, for everybody who thinks that you are the only reason why people like you are the only one that God's love. You are mistaken. God loves everybody. The love of God does not discriminate against anybody. In fact, it is a gift. Not only did he love the world, but Paul writes this, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for the righteous, but he died for folk whose lives were messed up. He died for folk who had problems. He died for folk who could not stop drinking and smoking. He died for the backbiters. He died for the crackheads. He died for the prostitutes. He died for folk who did not go to church. Yes, God does love everybody. And we've got to be reminded in our walk with the Lord, even as believers, please remember this, believers, don't become so judgmental. Believe what we believe strongly. But we've got to have a sense of tolerance. We've got to have a sense of letting God convict people. And we've got to stop pointing the finger and open the hand. Amen. We, because a pointed finger doesn't win anybody. But an open hand invite people to come to the God you know. Am I saying the right thing? Are there any witnesses? How many of you know that God loved you when your life was messed up when you did not even love yourself you did not get it because you earned it but you got it because God gave it to you and when you didn't know right from wrong when you were doing everything you were big enough to do God still loved you say amen somebody what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we of all people may be called the children of God? <laughs> Look back over your life and all the things. See, we know what you've done and everybody else knows. But look back over the things you've done that nobody else knows but you and God. And yet God still loves you. Come on. All of us not only have our skeletons in the closet, we've got our skeletons under the bed. Some of them are buried deeper than the closet. Some of them are buried under the house. But God, look at somebody and say, don't you sit up there looking like you got all of that. Come on, if God was to ever cut the light on in your closet, just because you don't have somebody else's issue doesn't mean you don't have an issue. Some of our issues are all in our mind. If God was to judge our thought, whew, I got to thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because if, if, if God judged what I thought about doing, come on, can we just keep it real? Well, I've been saved baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean that you are outside of the realm of temptation. All of us got things that the enemy deals with all the time. And if the truth be told, grace and mercy has covered a whole lot of things for us. 
somebody ought to help me thank God for grace and mercy. It is of the Lord's mercies that we have not been consumed. His compassion faileth not. It is renewed every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Look at somebody and say, God's covered some things in my life. Ooh, you don't need to tell everybody. Some, some things you can't put on social media. Ooh, some things just between you and God. Anybody ever had to give God a public praise for some private deliverance? How many of you come to church and praise God and folk wonder why are you praising God? Well, you don't need to know that. Just trust me. I've got a reason to praise God. Thank you, Francis. If you've been through what I've been through, perhaps you would be praising him. Somebody owes God your best praise. Tell him thank you. Look at this text. Look at this unique text. Uh, biblical scholars will tell you that the book of Hosea is so unique that there have been debates and discussions over its authenticity. I have sat in classes and seminary school in which I've read accounts from people who took issue with the genuine authenticity of the book of Hosea. They, it goes like this. Well, he could not have written in it because a priest never would have married a prostitute. Well, the Bible didn't call him a priest. He was a prophet. Well, he could not have written it because nothing like this even is imaginable. That's why God used Hosea. This powerful illustration of the magnitude of God's eternal love that knows and has no boundaries. In the text, God uses the prophet Hosea's experience with his adulterous wife as an illustration of God's unconditional, transformational, eternal love towards the nation of Israel. Note with me, if you will, in the first chapter of the book of Hosea, verse number two, just so we can put this in some context. It wasn't as if Hosea's wife's actions surprised him. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. The illustration is that God is like Hosea. We are like his wife. It, 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 it is not as if our actions surprise God. And just so we'll know it, the second verse of the first chapter of the book of Hosea, the New Living Translation, says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, this, is at the, this man was a prophet as God was speaking to him when this happened. God said to the prophet, go and marry a prostitute. Hold up, God. I've been waiting all my life trying to do the right thing, and you command me to marry a prostitute. 
God told Hosea before he got married, this is my command and assignment for your life. You're going to marry somebody with issues. Help me, Holy Ghost. Because I just need Israel to know that when I chose them, I knew they had issues. I just want Bible way to know that God says, when I bless you, I knew you had issues. I, I know all the problems you go through. Go marry a prostitute. And listen to how this verse continues. Verse 2, chapter 1. So that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. And if you read on in the third chapter, second, third chapter, you'll find out as God outlines, Hosea had, according to the scriptures, he and his wife had three children, two sons, one daughter. And the Bible makes it clear that the second son was not Hosea because God named him with the Hebrew name called Not My Child. So... You tell me to marry her. And then after I married her, she goes and she sleeps with all kinds of people. And she brings a child back to the house that I've got to raise. And God said, just so you know, name him. The Hebrew word is, he's not my child. But God, how many of you know that God knew all about, God knows your gambling habits, your drinking habits, your sipping habits, your lying habits, your slipping and tipping habits, oh come on, your late night viewing habits. I'm coming down somebody's street. <laughs> In other words, everybody got something that God is delivering you from. Note, I did not say has delivered you. Some, most of us, let me include myself, most of us have things in our lives that God is delivering us. Grace is a process, amen. How many of you know you are being delivered every day you wake up and God makes you stronger than the day before and that's why you got to give God your best praise so God tells this prophet you're going to marry a woman of ill repute you're going to marry somebody that not only will you know she's a prostitute but everybody else knows now, I want y'all to use your Holy Ghost imagination. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, borrow something from your neighbor. Imagine the wedding ceremony. Y'all know how y'all talk. Mm, I can't believe she wearing white. Come on, I know y'all. I'm glad she wore beige. Come on, y'all. Y'all know how we, we are vicious, aren't we? <laughs> Imagine Hosea's wedding ceremony when folk around already knew she was a prostitute and he was a prophet. Whew. 
the prophet and the prostitute. Only God can put that together, amen? And God says to Hosea, go and marry her. Bring her into your house. She gave birth to their first child, son. Then she gave birth to a daughter, and then the third child was not Hosea's. But then God said something. He, he says, uh, you need to know that just because she lives with you doesn't mean she has overcome her issues. Just because folk come to church don't mean we've overcome our issues. Amen. And he says to Hosea, and, and, and take her to your house and treat her as you would treat any wife that any man should love. And then something happens again. Hosea looks for his wife. She had gone doing the things uh, she was predisposed to do. Her nature was unfaithfulness. Uh, her disposition was unfaithfulness. All she knew was how to be unfaithful. So you ought not be surprised when liars lie. Come on, somebody. Amen. You are the, uh, the snake that was picked. You know the story. The man picks up a frozen snake, puts it in his bosom, and says, I feel so sorry for this snake. I'm going to take care of him. The snake's the thaw uh, and bites the man. And the man says, I did all of this for you. You were frozen. You're going to die. I put you close to me. And the snake says, you knew I was a snake when you put me that close to you. Some of us know what we're getting in from the beginning, but God, God know all about, knows all about you, but he still loves you. God knew when he saved you, you would still struggle with some things. May I preach in your life. And the Lord says to Hosea, this is an illustration of my love for Israel. Because Israel had gone back and started worshiping the idol god of Baal and the other idols associated with the land of Canaan. In other words, the people that God defeated for them, Israel had gone to worship their gods. Now help me understand this. Your God defeat their gods and yet you worship their gods. And now you say, that makes no sense, Pastor Jackson. Well, let me put it in a way perhaps that will make even more sense to you. God brings you up out of stuff in the world. Amen. Am I right about it? God delivers you from stuff. But yet you go back to the same place where God delivered you. You're now indulging with the same people. God brought you out, brought you out of the bar, transformed you from an alcoholic, and yet you hanging out with alcoholics at the bar with them all over again. God says you put more time with that which has been defeated than the God who defeated your enemies. Isn't that just like us? We, we put more time in the things that God says I brought you out of than the God who delivered us. And God said to Hosea, 
That is what the nation of Israel has done. God called them, the book of Hosea is the one that God called them backsliding heifers. You often hear me refer to that. It's found in the writings of Hosea. God said they, they, are, they are like heifers that have gone back uh, to where they've been delivered from. But Hosea, I am not through with this illustration yet. I promise to still love them. And I will restore them back to their rightful place in their relationship with me. And so we get to the text in chapter 3 and verse 1. And God says this to Hosea. Go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover. Look at this text. I need you to take note of what the text does not say. It does not say to Hosea, go and bring her home again and leave it there. But he says, now I need you to go beyond bringing her home. Because you can bring somebody to your house and still don't love him. You can go like this, well, I, I forgive you, but I won't forget. Or we'll live together, but it won't ever be the same again. Come on, somebody. Y'all help me preach. Y'all know how folk are. Of a pastor, it just won't ever be the same. I can't ever get beyond what they've done. <laughs> help me, holy, save people. I can't ever get beyond what they've done. Well, what if God did that for you? What if God decided, you know, I can't ever get beyond all those lies you told. But I'm so glad that God throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. Anybody know God not only covers your sin, but God wipes away all your sin. Somebody ought to take at least 10 seconds to give God your best praise. Come on, Zion. Look at somebody and say, God did it me Hosea here is your assignment first of all you married her because I told you to and yet she went back to do what she has always done and I took note when God says go and love your wife again if God would have said, go bring her back to your house, that would have been amazing all by itself. But God knew that you can physically do something and not in an intangible way make the transition. You can still hold on to stuff, preach Pastor Jackson. Because there are a whole lot of folk who may be in your presence, but they're still holding on to stuff. Ah. And God says my true relationship of restoration is not when I bring you back in the circle, but when I forgive you as if it has never happened. See, love covers a multitude of faults. You, you can be around somebody, but it doesn't mean you love him. And God said, Hosea, I need you to go love her again. I need you to do something that is beyond what the physical capabilities of somebody can do. Physically, you can bring her back to the house. You can put a roof over her head, food on the table, 
But what I'm asking you to do is the intangible thing. Something that you can't fake. Help me, Holy Ghost. You, you can fake a relationship. Come on, somebody. I've seen a whole lot of fake relationships. That's why I tell folk all the time, I don't even like preachers getting up when they come to preach. Oh, I love Peachy. I love baby. I can't help to be with baby. I grew up in the church. I saw this all my life. I saw folk run revivals about how I can't wait to get home, but they're going to go home. And so I got jaded. I got jaded with all of this public affection. Uh, I was fortunate to live in a house with a daddy who didn't always have all of this public affection, but I knew he loved my mama because I can see it, and every one of us knew there was a deep abiding relationship. So don't you be fooled by what people do in public. Teach Pastor Jackson. Real love is when nobody is watching. Real love is when nobody is there. Real love, brother deacons, brother preachers, everybody, how you treat them when nobody else is there. Real love is not walking down the aisle with them on your arm, brother and sister so-and-so. But real love is when nobody but you and her in the house, do you treat them with respect and love. Go love her again. Ooh, this is your assignment. You have to love her all over again. Now, help me understand this. One of my favorite biblical scholars, the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee, says this in such a profound way, baby. He, he says, God purposely used the word again. If he would have said, continue to love her, it would have meant that you keep loving her. But the truth of the matter, according to Dr. J. Vernon McGee, Jose, in all likelihood, had stopped loving his wife. And, and that can be understandable, amen? After you've been hurt and wounded and somebody treats you like that, you, it, it's easy to lose your love. But God said, I need you to do something. I need you to start all over. Go love her again. How many of you are so glad that God loved you over and over and over, and over, and over again. Listen to how Jose ends this book. Chapter 14, verses 4 and 5. God says this through the anointing of Hosea. I will heal you of your faithlessness. God says, if you're going to ever stop doing what you're going to do, I've got to heal you. My love will know no bounds. For my anger will be gone forever. And I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like a lily. <laughs> Ooh, catch somebody by the hand and say, you'll bloom again. <laughs> I know you've messed up, and I, I know folk wanted to throw you away, but God said, despite all the things you've done, you will blossom 
like a lily. In other words, when I restore you, when I forgive you, I'll make you better than ever. Somebody ought to help me stand to your feet. I'm done. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm so glad that God didn't throw me away. Look at somebody say, I'm so glad that God still loves me. Anybody grateful that God loved you through thick and thin? And when you turn your back on God, God was still loving you over and over and over again. Clap those hands and give God your best praise. And so, listen to this. This is how God wanted me to preach this. Here's the answer to the question. Lord, why would you love someone like me? And God says, because that's what I do. <laughs> and that's who I am. Or you're so glad that God, see, the world calls this reckless love. No father would advise your daughter. I'm looking on the faces of men who've got daughters. Some of them have been married. Some of them maybe one day will. I don't think any father would advise your daughter to marry. And my daddy used to call him that joker. <laughs> Didn't he say that thing? That hurts you over and over and over again. Would your daddies? Would you advise your daughter to marry a man that said, look, I, I'll marry you, but I just want you to know I'm a cheater and I will always be a cheater. I just can't be faithful. <laughs> you will look in the face of your daughters and say, that's reckless. <laughs> to love somebody, listen to this, and I want you to hear this song because it's special to me. It's reckless to love somebody that you know will hurt you. Ooh. It's reckless to pursue somebody who you know in the end all they're going to do is make you cry <laughs> and hurt you over and over again. But the unconditional, <laughs> eternal, transforming, redeeming love of God. Look at somebody and say, love is a choice. <laughs> the love that God chose to love us, knowing our shortcomings, knowing that you're going to hurt me again, I know it. God says, I love you, and, and I know as soon as you get a better job and bigger house, fancy cars and you can afford to take the weekends off you're going to stop coming to church to go hang out at the beach go to Las Vegas on Sundays preach Pastor Jackson God says I know how you are as soon as you get that promotion you're going to say I finally got enough money to do what I need to do Pastor I see y'all when I see you Ooh. listen to this and we forget the God who provided every resource we have 
Somebody say, God did this. We forget the God who defeated our enemies <laughs> and gave us that promotion. We forget the God who made it possible for us to live in houses we never thought we could live in. In communities we were prohibited from living in. We forget the God who made it possible for you to earn what you have and have what you now possess. Somebody say, but God. But God says, I never stop loving you. Even though you hurt me, let me down. Get angry at me. Stop being faithful. Ooh, that is the kind of love the world called reckless. God says, I'm proud to say, I love you with a reckless love. Leave your seats. Walk down the aisles. Anthony Brown, wonderful church in Maryland, sings this beautiful song. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. The song is entitled Reckless Love. And you haven't heard it. Go home and download it. It, is, it has blessed me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed life <laughs> in me. You've been so, you've been so kind to me. Ooh, that's right. Come walk down these aisles. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God <laughs> he goes on to say it chases me down fights till I am found leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away <laughs> oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God listen to this verse when I was your foe when I was your enemy you still love and fought for me you've been so good so good to me when I felt no worth you paid it all for me <laughs> you've been so kind so kind to me Ooh. oh the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Come on, Brother Cedric and quiet. Ooh, listen. Before I spoke a word, you were singing low. I need some worshipers to just come at this altar. You don't. You just want to praise You've God. Been That's so, right. As so many of you as come, come stand. Ooh, yeah. This is our worship expression to the Lord. Before yeah. I took a breath, yeah. you breathed your life in me. You breathed into me, God. Yeah. You've been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. 
song. I said, what a testimony. Ooh. No shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up. No wall you won't kick down. No lie you won't tear down. Ooh. Can you do that part quiet? No shadow. Come on, come on. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. Ooh, yeah, yeah. There's no wall you won't. No wall you won't. Kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after One more time. You're chasing me. There's no shadow. Shadow. You won't climb up. Anybody know God will do it for you? Yeah, yeah. Lie, you won't. those arms around somebody to everyone who has wondered can God love someone like you the answer is clear the answer is strong God does God can God will love you Ooh. you don't have to be perfect for God to love you Hosea, go get your wife from the street and buy her back 15 pieces of silver. Pay for what is already yours. And then God says, and love her again. <laughs> As if she has never messed up. That's what he's done for us. And I don't care what anybody else says about you. God loves you. Amen. I don't care if anybody wants to judge you, want to throw you away. God loves you. Amen. God loves you. With an overwhelming, the world says that's reckless to love somebody who you know will hurt you. But that's the relationship that God has for us. Close those eyes. Now here's my question for you. Will you accept that kind of love? Or have you been hurt by so many people that you've given up on the fact that anybody could love you? Maybe there's someone here today and you've been wounded and hurt and you've come here at the right time, at the right Sunday to hear this message that yes, God does love you and yes, God will always love you. Here's what I need you to do. If you're here this morning and after we pray that prayer and you're ready to receive God's unconditional love, just meet me down at the altar. 
I'll be here for you. See, we, we cannot be ashamed to receive the gift of God. <laughs> and I know it hasn't been easy. And some of you are dealing with things in your life now where other people tell you that God can't love you. But I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. <laughs> he loves you with an unconditional, overwhelming, even to the world, reckless kind of love. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Let God change your life starting today. Let God do it starting right now. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. <laughs> thank you for this message, Lord. Thank you for including this message in this series. Thank you for reminding us as Hosea was commanded to love his adulterous wife, you still love us. You know all of our downsettings. You know all of our shortcomings. But yet you still choose to love us. And we say thank you, Lord. We're far from perfect. We're far from righteous. But you've never given up on us. And we say thank you. Bless that young lady. Bless that young man. Bless someone who's sitting on their couch now. On the verge of giving up. Bless someone who struggled to get out of the bed this morning. Remind them that there is an overwhelming, unconditional, transformational, redeeming love of God with their name on it. And we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, God still loves you. Come on, if you're here this morning and you want to make that decision, amen. Come stand. Come on, choir, tell us as the choir saying, just meet us right here. If you're here, wherever you are, come on. God's calling you. If you're here, you can, that's right, just, if you want to make a commitment to God, thank you, young man. Look at, thank you, young man, thank you. Look at God. Oh, yeah. Anyone else? Look at these who come to this altar. Yeah. Come on, dear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another young lady is coming in. Thank you, young lady. Look at God. Somebody right now know that God still loves you. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter what you've been through. God loves you right now. Come on, anyone else? No shadows he won't light up. No mountains he won't climb up. Anyone else? Hey, we want to give you an opportunity. Anyone else? Amen. Give God a hand of praise. Come on, by the way. If you can stand, stand to your feet and celebrate these at this altar. Young lady. Coming out to me. There's no one you won't kick down. I won't tear down. Coming out to me. Come on, Bible, and clap for them as, as they walk down the aisle. Come on. Coming out to me. Come on and tell them. 
come on, tell him again, Cedric. No shadow, you want light up? I like that, I want to hear that. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God's gonna do something in that young man's life. Somebody get me the off. God told me to lay hands on him. Listen, y'all listen to this. This young man said he gave up on God. He said, but now God has received him back. Amen. That's why we preach. Quiet, that's why you work so hard. Amen. I don't even know his story, but I'm here to tell you God is going to turn it around. Come on, quiet again. No, no shadow, shadow he won't. won't line up. he won't climb up. Coming after me. No more you won't kick down. No you won't tear down. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and celebrate what God is doing, Lord. Look at God. Somebody, God's receiving back. You're coming out. You're coming down to find me. Yes, you are. I thank God for what God is doing. Whew. Minister Jeff and the men's ministry will embrace you, these young ladies that are here. Amen. They walk down the aisle. God's doing something. See, the enemy didn't want me to preach this message. But God said there's an everlasting, unconditional, transformational, overwhelming love that God has for us. And it just doesn't love us because we're righteous, but because God is good to us. Amen. Young man, I am so proud of you. Those who walk down the aisles and go next door, I'm proud of what God is going to do. I want you to do something for me, church. I want to celebrate this worship and arts ministry once a year. We do this. As many of you as possible, they have $7. I want to sow a seed of gratitude.